I, I think, you know, young musicians and, well, older musicians and musicians at any age should just, you know, dare to be adventurous at any point in time. Any experience in life is going to be a learning experience and we will never be perfect. Therefore, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> This is Max Q, the podcast by Peabody's Launchpad office dedicated to demystifying what life is like after graduation. Every episode, we sit down with a recent alum to get their take on what life is like for working artists in today's world. Multifaceted careers, time management, finances, finding balance between your work and your life. We explore that and more on the Max Q podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce the multi-talented Marie Harrington, a 2020 Peabody Vocal Performance graduate. Marie's career spans a diverse range of projects, including creating a sound installation with the Alluvium Ensemble at the New Orleans Contemporary Arts Center, and being a featured composer at Songfest in San Francisco. Currently music director at Govan's Presbyterian Church in Baltimore, she leads and participates in ensembles and events around the Baltimore region. As an educator, she teaches privately in her different disciplines and has been a returning guest lecturer at the University of the Southern Caribbean. Marie, I am so glad you took the time to come and join us on this very, very rainy day. Um, I just want to start out by asking you to tell us a little bit about what your life looks like right now. Cool. So uh, I am a music director. That is my primary form of employment. I direct two choirs, one handball choir, one uh, semi-professional group of singers. And all I mean by that is uh, a, part of, a few of the singers are paid singers. Um, and uh, I that takes place at a church uh, where I'm a church organist as well and church pianist. Um, that was not my college background, uh, but this job gives me a lot of uh, st stability and a lot of musical opportunities while I pursue my freelance endeavors as a composer and as a freelance singer of contemporary music, uh, but also um, uh, I want to I say like a variety of contemporary music because I sing in quite a few bands in the area, um, but I also uh, do, you know, good amount of post-classical music that tends to be my focus rather than um, classical music. Uh, in college, I was uh, doing uh, singing endeavors related to opera, and then I have kind of moved in a different direction than just pursuing uh, opera. Uh, I technically don't pursue opera anymore. I work with just a small handful of composers, and I'm constantly trying to broaden that um, list and, you know, sing and perform their music, have their music performed in the church and everything like that. Um, and uh, other than that, I do some wedding gigs with a string quartet as a pianist. I do some wedding gigs uh, separately as an organist. And I do some funeral gigs. Um, and I think that more or less covers it. I used to teach. I used to have a large teaching studio, and I used to uh, teach at a high school, and I don't do any teaching anymore. I have cut back on that to uh, spend more time doing freelance work. So, yeah, that is more or less the life of me nowadays. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, like, the path to getting 
to where you are now mm-hmm. then. And I feel like um, one thing that I learned when I was looking over your website a little bit um, mm. that I didn't know before was that you had you know, an extensive background, I think, even before coming to Baltimore and doing mm. church music. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm kind of curious about um, how much, you know, how did you get started as a, as a church musician? And particularly, mm-hmm. I think keyboard is so integral to that mm-hmm. being part of yeah. being able to, to find those positions. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I did technically have a really like privileged background with that. I got my first church organ gig when I was 15 years old and I didn't even play the organ. Oh, wow. But there was just the church that I regularly attended growing up. Um, the organist there, he knew that I um, uh, could play piano and he was like, uh, I, I'm going away on vacation. I need a substitute. Would you be down? The music of the service was easy enough and I was familiar enough with it. I was like, I think I can figure out the organ. Um, news for anyone who has only ever played the piano, who's never played the organ, it's scary, <laughs> like to say the least. So would I recommend what I did? No, but it was a great opportunity. It just kind of threw me into really deep water, uh, basically. I just tried to get as much practice time on that instrument uh, as, as much as possible. So yeah, technically I have been playing in churches for more than 10 years now, which has really served me really well. I also gave my first voice lesson uh, at 15 as well. I was teaching kids after school, because my mom, I couldn't drive then, my mom couldn't pick me up when the school time ended, so I would teach voice lessons to some of my friends after school, and they would pay me like $20. It was really sweet that they would pay anything at all, I think, but, um. I don't know. It's it. I'm so glad that I had, I guess, the mindset that I had at that age or the whatever that got me there <laughs> because it just it made a huge difference um, in the long run. Um, all this to say, like, as far as like how this information could ever be useful to another person, I think, you know, with musicians, we're always hesitant to do stuff maybe a little bit more hesitant than we should be I don't think there is anything wrong with trying a really specific odd thing um I I I wonder if I can like elaborate on that a little bit better but um you know I clearly did not have a lot of skills on the organ when I took my first organist gig, but I saw the opportunity aspect of it and the ability to learn from that more than the thought that maybe I would be perfect at it, which oddly enough, as I've gotten older, I feel like I've been more hesitant to jump into brand new opportunities because I'm way too worried about, am I going to be perfect at this? Um, But you know, as we increase our skills as musicians and like work harder and harder and harder to get better it we tend to fall into these traps so yeah the adventurousness that I wanted to partake in at that age really has helped me in the long run so I I think you know young musicians and well older musicians and musicians at any age should just you know dare to be adventurous at any point in time any experience in life is going to be a learning experience and we will never be perfect therefore (laughs) just do it (laughs) what that what that brings up for me a little bit is just to go back to like 15 year old you um 
because I hear you saying, oh, these people were like kind enough to have me do lessons or kind enough to allow me time to yeah. practice on this or instrument. But I think the piece that um, you're alighting a little bit there is the fact that they had to know that you were interested. I mean, this kind of yeah. brings up to me the, um, I don't know if you've read or like heard any of Amanda Palmer's talks around kind of the art of asking. And I feel like there's a whole piece of that that's about, I mean, you have to, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and be be vulnerable to say like, I'm interested or I would like, or like, this is, um, for people. And then, then people will often actually reciprocate that with, oh yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so this leads me to the the question about, so you, you came to Peabody, you mm-hmm. got a degree, but that degree mm-hmm. is in voice and mm-hmm. not an organ. Yeah. <laughs> so h- how did that happen? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, this one's a kind of doozy, Okay. but So I'm from North Carolina, and I don't know what other people think about music in North Carolina, but I'm just going to say there's not a lot of classical music or resources for classical music in North Carolina. I had a voice teacher, and she had me doing a lot of competitions and things like that in the state, and uh, she had me trying to perform locally or in in the state, in, in the country. Like, I would travel to random places for, like, a NAS competition or something. Um, but... Uh, she had me doing all of these opportunities and it kind of didn't matter where I went. I would always just hear somebody saying like, wow, singing is your God given talent. You need to pursue this. (laughs) And that honestly just happened everywhere I went. And I think that kind of sucks to tell another person. That's kind of a loaded statement, but you know, I think as musicians and just as people in general, we can compliment uh, other people and build their self-esteem and like, you know, just help them out without nudging them down a certain direction. And I kind of like, as grateful as I am for my vocal background, and I do love singing, I was definitely nudged down the opera direction by every single person who was around me in my life. And so it felt like uh, something that I had to do rather than something that I wanted to do. Believe me, I think opera is beautiful and is amazing, and I do want to write an opera one day, but it is not personally my vocal passion. Um, so, and that's an incredibly valid thing to realize. And I am grateful that I still realized that, um, you know, in my early twenties. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, I do definitely think like if I had my choice going into college, I would have just majored in composition probably to be honest. Um, maybe with the same minor in organ, Um, I do, I will admit, I don't have enough technical keyboard skills, in my opinion. I'm kind of ratting myself out here, but I don't have (laughs) enough technical keyboard skills to be a, anything anywhere near close to a concert pianist. There's a whole like slew of repertoire that I cannot accompany and stuff like that. But, um, I am very, very grateful for the organ instruction that I received through Dr. Auni and Dr. Jeremy Fissel. Those two instructors um, who I studied organ with here when I went to Peabody, I mean, they really gave me more than I thought I would ever receive. Um, And that really, really helped me out tremendously as a keyboard musician. So um, all this to say, I love singing. It is my passion. But more than anything, I do believe my passion is 
contemporary music and that to me it just feels like music of today um i think there's absolutely nothing wrong with premiering yet another rossini opera that everybody's heard five thousand times because it's beautiful music and we want to still cherish this wonderful historic music but that is also my personal bias i do feel like it is historical music rather than current music and i love current music because uh, it derives from that wonderful historical music but it applies more to our lives and stuff like that um and I'll, I'll wrap this into like a little tidbit about the church where I work. The church where I work is super, super progressive. We don't like words like kingdom. And in the prayers, we change the word kingdom to kingdom. We don't like referring to God as he. You know, oftentimes we refer to God as it or they, which I really like. I also really like that sometimes we refer to God as she. So, you know, um, it's just a wonderful, like modernization of language and it makes such a big difference um at the end of the day which i'm happy to you know um, i i will die on that hill i <laughs> i am happy to like uh you know elaborate on that in any way that i can but you know um you're you're talking a little bit about your work at, at govins yeah. presbyterian and mm -hmm. i mean i think that the next question after that for me, mm -hmm. from the kind of, okay, career directory perspective is, mm -hmm. how did you end up in that job? And you know, what was that kind of process like of finding it and applying yeah. and being hired? That's, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was at, uh, let's see, another church, Epiphany Lutheran. Um, and I just, I had been there for three years and the church that I was at Prior to Epiphany, I was also there for three years, and it just felt like I was, you know, ready for the next step, whatever that looked like. I was ready to work uh, with a wider variety of musicians. I was ready to work with more voices. Epiphany didn't have a regular choir, and um, I really, really wanted to work with more singers um, a lot more frequently. Um, I have received instruction before, you know, as a music director. I have directed small ensembles before. But actually receiving a weekly church choir of people who all know how to sight read. Uh, and I'm talking about my semi-professional group right here. This is a group composed of people who are retired singers and are people who have been in choirs in Baltimore and like all, all, all over the country, wherever they're coming from that, you know, wherever they were coming from before they uh, came to Baltimore and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, and then of course the paid singers. So like the paid singers, I'll, I'll give you an example, consist of, um, you know, the soprano alto tenor bass section leaders, as most people know, um, all, all these people have a ton of singing experience. For example, my bass section leader, he, uh, is a, a voice professor at two different universities. So he's a lot more qualified than I am. And, you know, just thinking of the little, like, official job descriptions and tags and things like that but you know it's really apples to oranges whatever um so i yeah i i, I was just applying for a small amount of jobs that uh fit a couple things uh a description of what i was comfortable with as far as uh choral work and things like that um and that I was comfortable with salary wise compared to <laughs> the workload. I think that's, you know, super important 
we always have to think about survivability and you know advice to anybody going to work in churches um you have to remember churches do not have an hr department so you in certain ways end up walking on what feels like really weird eggshells with strange objects underneath them like you never really know what people are going to say is what i'm getting at so um with that in mind also you need to know that you will probably know more about music than any single other person in that building and that's fine there's nothing wrong with them it just means that no one's going to know how to vouch for you better than you are so you know Take that, I guess, with a grain of salt, but like, you know, also apply that to literally every single thing that you do. Know your worth no matter what. Also know that things take time to develop and there's nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a low paying job before taking the high paying job. We all need experience. And to just say that I have an advanced level degree or I went to a really prestigious university um, for my whatever degree that's not enough for a lot of people um and that's totally valid so anywho i felt like these jobs that i were applying for back when i was at epiphany they really kind of felt like they met me at my level so to speak i did have a bit of imposter syndrome uh though going into those jobs because i knew that they had very unique responsibilities compared to what i was used to before these jobs i was not used to leading a large group of people and something that was supposed to be a musical experience plus a spiritual experience. I'm not a pastorally person, nor do I ever have the intentions on being one. So, you know, the idea of leading a group of people in prayer, it just felt like I was for a while saying, dear God, oh my God, help me finish this prayer, amen. Like, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> but you know, um, Eh. All this to say, like, the imposter syndrome, like, fades away relatively quickly when you get used to new changes. Um, all of these transitions that I've made in life uh, with every job that I've gotten, you know, certain things were harder than other things. I want to say working in a restaurant was probably harder than working in a church. So, you know, it really just depends um, on how you feel about it. But, you know, changes change. Change is positive. We have to just roll with the punches no matter what. Um, you, I feel like alluded to this mm -hmm. um, and what you said about, you know, degrees and, and credentials not mm -hmm. being the things that necessarily are going to speak to people on a hiring committee at a church. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I feel like something I, I know about you that I've observed about you uh -huh. is that you're just like a, a relationally a wonderful person to, to be around. And I guess I'm kind of curious about, is that something that you feel like is important in these, I mean, these churches, I feel like church ensembles in particular are very relational spaces. And so is that something yeah. that came up, you feel like, in the interviewing and hiring process? And Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's, it's interesting. I do feel like um, other spaces, like other ensembles, other like forms of work, let's say, rather than churches maybe care more about like the person's resume experience as opposed to the degree but it does tend to be the case that people in churches care a lot about the degree and i will say like as long as you're pursuing work in the state of maryland 
everybody and their mom knows what Peabody is. And it's something that means a lot to a lot of people. This school is viewed with a lot of prestige. And I am, you know, very, very grateful for that piece of paper that took four years to get. It is, you know, really, really has served me well. And it's actually amazing. I'm glad you asked about the job interview process because it's amazing the amount of random specific questions that they asked during the job interview process. And the stuff that I was citing uh, happened, uh, like, like in the answers that I was giving, the stuff that I was citing happened to oftentimes pertain to things that we were doing in the Oregon for non-majors classes and in the resources for contemporary church musicians uh, class. Uh, Both of these are Oregon classes, part of the Oregon department offered to students who are not necessarily in the Oregon department. Um, And, you know, just so much material was covered in just those two classes. So much material was covered in lessons with uh, Dr. Aoni. So much material was covered in um, the conducting course. I know, I think it's required for instrumentalists. It was not required for singers. I took it anyways because I was like, if I don't know how to conduct in 4-4, I'm not going to be able to work in a church, let alone 3-4, anything else. Um, but, you know, uh, so those classes, they were all very, very important to me. And, you know, um, it I, I would always just be thinking thinking of these random instances where like skills were developing uh you know pertaining to this job from things that I did at Peabody um and I mean it kind of doesn't matter that I went down the church music route uh when it comes to I guess I want to say like general advice towards you know other music students in general I want to say if there is a class you have any remote interest in take that class I don't care what your workload is audit it if you need to I wish I audited way more classes um, when I was here because no matter what happens any information that you're putting in your brain is going to be so valuable to you Um, and you know Obviously, if it's something that you are drawn to, don't ignore that itch. That's a gut instinct that is very, very important. So like, for example, I was really drawn to jazz, the jazz keyboarding class and the jazz ear training classes. Both I had to audit because I had a choir that conflicted with um, both of them, the, the choral requirements for the singers. Um, I wish I could have taken those classes in full. I only sat in for a couple and they were amazing courses. Um, so, you know, there are just so many opportunities here. Um, and you never know when in a job interview you're going to just be sitting down talking to somebody and spewing out a little tidbit about a class that you audited. And you don't need to say you audited it. It's all a little, like, it, it's all real work experience in some way, you know. This is all preparation for, like, the quote-unquote real stuff that we will all do one day, Right. Okay, I, I want to pick up another thread from earlier about how you were excited about the position at Govins because mm-hmm. you could um, kind of promote opportunities, I think, for music composition and creation and performance generally. Yes. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about how, how that has happened. Yeah. Um, so now 
the church I was coming from also had a pretty nice music budget for special musicians throughout the year. So this was also something I could do there. However, it made a huge difference to me to go to a church that, uh, that um, was particularly very involved with music. So there were plenty of people in the congregation, sorry, not where there are plenty of people in the congregation who regularly attend BSO performances and local opera performances. And I, I believe that a performance, uh, um, I don't know if it's a venue or uh, you, know, you know, just like a thing, but is it high zero? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a few congregants who attend that, and I was really impressed. I was like, wow, y'all are artsier than yeah, me. This is so cool. That is cool. avant-garde taste. Yes, it really is. And um, uh, earlier this year, I conducted a piece by Ola Yelo that was in 7-8. That was hard for the choir, but they were so willing to do it, so willing to learn how to do it. And it was amazing, like, the amount of con congregants that, like, knew what the time signature was just from hearing it and stuff like that. But I, I say this also to bridge into the next uh, important piece of this puzzle. These, um, the, the church where I work currently is very interested in um, not only music and performing music at a high level, they're also interested super duper much in uh, serious social justice work and lifting up local voices, making sure there is an inclusive space for everybody. And, you know, this also ties into why we change the language and the prayers and things like that. Um, and I, I think this is all so, so, so important. These types of spaces are not only so perfect for um, living composers, uh, works to be premiered and stuff like that. They're wonderful spaces for um, bringing up young, uh, you know, musicians in the area. I run a concert series at the church um, that I just started building, I want to say, in late 2022, which really is not very long ago. I know it feels long ago, but if you're working on a concert series that runs solely off of donations from uh, audience members for every concert, then, you know, it's it's a slow buildup. But the thing is, everybody cares. Everybody cares about music. Everybody cares about um, giving not only opportunities to um, artists in Baltimore, but celebrating those people, celebrating the art that they are creating. And that's so hugely important to me. Um, I was going to premiere a, a large choral work for the choir uh, that would be performed this spring. Um, but I changed my mind about it because of a lot of logistic issues related to the text and the poet I was getting the text from and everything like that. But, you know, regardless, this is the first space I've ever worked where I really thought, oh, I can write something like challenging and substantial for this group and they would treat it with care and it would be awesome. And, you know, the pastor who was my boss, you know, was talking about commission rates with me and like, I want to pay you what you deserve to be paid and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't even have to apply for this. I just walked in and said, I want to write a large piece. And now you all are talking about wanting to pay me for it. That's really 
bougie and nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah. Um, I think the concert series itself is so important. Um, Originally, when I first started working church jobs, it just felt like, oh, hiring local musicians, that's just the... That's just the thing that people want for Christmas and Easter, right? And, you know, occasionally on a Sunday, I was thinking way too in the box and not out of the box with it. This job in particular gave me enough, uh, I want to say, comfortability to feel like I really have, like, leverage in a way in this community. And I can really, like, try and start to make something that will create a lot of opportunities for uh, young musicians, you know, working the way up with that little by little everything takes time and all this stuff costs money right so you know <laughs> it, we have to find money <laughs> basically is what well, i'm saying so what's the name of the series so we can make sure we've got a link to that <laughs> oh gosh we you know we don't have like an official like thingy on the website or whatever um but i could always link I want to say like the church or the church's newsletter because they do post about the concert series um also you know a little tidbit about the church um there is uh, another music director there she directs the band so I I do the quote-unquote traditional music um with the choirs and everything like that and the other music director she directs the band and she has uh, a concert series that she runs called Music Mondays so someone performs a virtual concert on Zoom every single Monday and they play just for tips but they usually get you know quite a bit in tips and it's pretty pretty nice and I want to say it tends to be the case especially I've noticed this after singing with a lot of bands it tends to be those types of performers as opposed to classical musicians who are totally down to pay for tips play for tips sorry and i hope this is something that classical musicians will consider when they're like starting their first gigs post school and stuff like that you know whether you have a whole lot on your resume or not you know like the more opportunities you get to play your instrument like people will or i guess the word or the phrase or thing i'm looking for is the more opportunities you get to perform and you know spread your music to as many people as you want you know people there will be more opportunities for people to respond really really well to your music hence why you know two performers can do a music monday hosted by leah gilmore the other music director at the church and those two performers they could make anywhere from 50 dollars in tips to nearly 200 dollars in tips from the audience members who attend those events, whether they're on Zoom, whether they are in person. You know, music is captivating and people love being captivated. And it's not like a, oh, I wanna throw my money at you, I love you so much, or weird thing or whatever. It's just like, here, I'm appreciating you. I'm doing, you know, this for you because this feels like, like I know this is what you are owed or like what you deserve or you know stuff like that i feel like we've we've spent a lot of time kind of digging into the the church music side of things and i don't want to neglect the compositional side of things and Mm -hmm. maybe that's a good transition though to kind of talk about how Mm -hmm. i mean it seems like your opportunities grew through this job and um yeah i I don't know if it'd be worth just digging into that a little bit about like how they've grown and where what that has looked like yeah absolutely there just have been a 
lot of wonderful doors that have opened with composition in, in the church. And I don't, I definitely don't fully pursue my compositional life in the church. But um, now just speaking from a really practical perspective, composers and whoever works in a church job, this is a serious opportunity to create musical opportunities or to create new music in a space where there are people who have ready and willing ears who are just, you know, ready to accept that. People come to church for spiritual fulfillment. That is like one of the best mindsets that people can have when they're listening to a concert. People are vulnerable. I have premiered new music at funerals because funerals are spaces where people are incredibly vulnerable. They're more likely to be moved by something than let's say a wedding or whatever. Um, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah, there's just a wonderful opportunity to make beautiful creative music happen. And the fact that I work for a place where uh, a, like a, I wanna say the whole congregation cares because that's what it feels like. Everybody cares about being like promoting great things and being a part of great things and taking in great things and everything like that. Um, and it's amazing the amount of music that we have in Baltimore City. Um, and all of this started with just like me originally reaching out to that silly little Facebook page that I will never leave for some reason called Peabody Free and For Sale. I do believe I'm probably one of the top contributors on this page. I'm always on this page every single day. Not every single day, but you know, feels like that sometimes. It's a solid resource. Is there any like closing, I feel like you gave us some good tidbits of wisdom, but is there any oh. closing advice you'd want to offer to, um, to current students? Oh yeah. Um, I don't know what the environment is like here now compared to, you know, when I was there. Um, but, you know, seek as many collaborative opportunities as you can. You do not realize when you're in school uh, as much as you do when you're out of school, but all the people who are your classmates, they will become your colleagues. Um, and, you know, it's wonderful to have colleagues. One big regret that I have was, you know, not uh, starting an ensemble of singers, just of like, you know, people I was friends with to, you know, record my choral music with and basically make like a little Peabody affiliated room full of teeth like group with, um, and, you know, I'm trying to get all that together now, but I don't know what anybody's schedule is like. All of you have, you know, relatively similar schedules and workloads, and especially if you live in the dorms, you're next to all these people. Make music with them. I hope they inspire you. They should, you know, <laughs> like, and you probably inspire more people than you realize. You know, we're all here creating this beautiful art together, so. Fantastic. Yeah. Marie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was this Yay. was really a pleasure. Thank you. This was a pleasure for me. I always go on little tangents, and I appreciate anybody who can offer patience <laughs> with the <laughs> tangents. We'll close out the episode with a selection of Marie's piece, A Dream. You can find the full track and links to Marie's website in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs>